0: Hello everyone, my name is Kevin Rognes, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. This is something we put out every week, so make sure you hit subscribe, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the major podcasting platforms. We just wanna make sure that you get this weekly content every week, so please subscribe, and make sure that you share this with a friend if there's something that you think is really helpful for them. Recently, we've been in a series of episodes about spiritual disciplines, and the bulk of these episodes are going to be comprised of going through this book called Spiritual Disciplines Companion by Jan Johnson. She is a spiritual director, and this, I think, is a really wonderful resource to help us understand some of the different kinds of spiritual disciplines and why they're important. So in the past few weeks, we've talked about um, silence and solitude, Last week we talked about service and secrecy, and this week we're going to move into a discussion about prayer and listening. These are some things, things that I uh, kind of struggle with because I don't always, um, I don't know, prayer is just hard for me sometimes. So I'm really excited to integrate some of these things into my own prayer life um, to uh, just grow deeper in my relationship with God. So. Um, I just want to remind us that spiritual disciplines are simply ways of connecting with God. We're going to be going through a few. We've already gone through a few in the past few weeks, Um, but this is not an exhaustive uh, list of resources about the only ways that you can connect with God. There are many ways, and they are often unique to each individual person. So. Um, if you find or if you hear that we're not discussing a particular practice that you take part in, that doesn't mean it's a bad practice. It just means it's maybe one that we're not talking about. So um, that's totally fine. So um, I also just want to add that uh, famed writer Henry Nouwen, uh, when he talked about spiritual practices, he talked about a practice as anything that helps us practice the, how to become attentive to that small voice and be willing to respond when we hear it. And I think that's just a really beautiful description of what we hope that our spiritual practices help us do. So like I said, we're gonna be starting with a conversation today about prayer and listening. And so here's just a couple of things that uh, writer Jan Johnson says about prayer and listening. And I thought that this was really helpful. She writes that prayer is a popular spiritual discipline. In crisis, people who don't identify themselves as Christians or who don't attend church find themselves praying. This indicates a distinct human tendency to talk to God. And I've witnessed this in my own life. I've seen people um, that are not necessarily Christians or don't follow Jesus say that they'll be praying about something. And that always strikes me as interesting because I've always kind of thought, well, if you don't believe in God, why are you praying? What is that to you? And I think it's really interesting because like she says, there's a distinct human tendency to talk with God. I think that's part of what it means to be made in God's image. We have a desire built in naturally that God has given us to know God, to relate with God, to be in relationship with God. So Jan Johnson also talks about the famed Oswald Chambers. He's a famous Christian writer, and he said this about prayer. We look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves. But the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. And I think that's also a really important thing to understand about prayer. Prayer is not about getting what we want. It's about building relationship with God. It's a very important understanding to have. Jan Johnson continues and says, Prayer is about building a relationship with God. Knowing God teaches us to relate to God in an authentic way, not just doing the good things that good people are supposed to do. We talk and listen to this all-knowing, all-powerful creator in ways God teaches us. So with, that, with those things in mind about prayer, we're gonna look at six quick pieces about what prayer and listening can look like. Um, and there's certainly more ways to think about this than just these six pieces, um, but these are just six pieces that will help develop our understanding about prayer and listening. So the first thing that she kind of looks at is how prayer can be a conversation with God. And she does this by going into three different biblical examples, all with the same person, Abraham. She looks at Genesis 15, verses 1 through 17, chapter 17, verses 15 through 22, and chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. Now, we're not going to read all these right now because it's quite a lengthy series of passages. But what's happening in these is that Abraham is having one-on-one conversation with God. Abraham says something, God responds. Abraham, God says something, and it goes back and forth. And in these conversations, God tells Abraham all kinds of things. God tells Abraham that he is going to have children, that he is going to have descendants that will be in this land, and so on. It's a great many things. So here are here's some of what Jan Johnson had to say about what this means in terms of conversation with God. She writes, Abraham's friendship with God was characterized by ongoing conversations. Recorded in Genesis 19 through 22, and perhaps many more that are not recorded, these conversations are filled with the back and forth elements of close communication, questions, guesses, reassertions, incredulity, calculated pauses, statements of fear and doubt careful restatements of each other's thoughts. Yet Christians sometimes neglect to learn the art of conversation with God. Perhaps they don't feel they're good enough to converse with God. But if goodness were a qualification, Abraham would have been excluded. For example, just after God, or Abraham had a conversation with God, laced with miracles and visions, he showed a lack of confidence in God. He agreed to Sarah's scheme of conceiving a child with Hagar instead of trusting that God would miraculously provide the promised child through Sarah. But after Abraham's attempt to adjust God's will, God continued to converse with Abraham. Righteousness is an outgrowth of conversation with god not a prerequisite so i really love what she shared there because i've often struggled with that of thinking oh i'm not good enough with god i'm struggling with this right now so i can't, i'm not worthy of going into god's presence and having this conversation with god right now um that's been something that i have fallen victim to so it's great to have this reminder that conversation with god is not something that we go into because we're worthy of it. God helps us improve as we go along because we are in conversation with God. It's a wonderful thing. Next, we look at praying with authenticity. And so first, I just kinda wanna read a little bit of what Jan Johnson writes about what that means to pray with authenticity. And she says, authenticity in prayer is difficult. Bringing our true selves to God is tricky because God is so good and so pure, and we are not. Prayer is a conversation between unequals, for certain. Yet, the Psalms illustrate how God wants us to bring our unsanitized thoughts to prayer. We're free to state doubts, fears, and questions. Yet, this isn't the same as blurting out self-focused rantings we can learn to pray authentically and with reverence and trust. And I think that's something really powerful. We can bring anything to God. It doesn't have to be God approved for us to bring it to God. We just bring ourselves and the situations that we're in to God and just get into that relationship. The biblical example that she cites here is in Psalm, 80, or excuse me, Psalm seventy-four, and she cites the entire psalm. I'm going to read just a portion of it because even a portion of it gives you an idea of how many things a person can bring to God. So here's Psalm seventy-four, verses nine through seventeen. The psalmist writes, "There are no signs for us to see. There is no longer a prophet." And none of us knows how long this will last. God, how long will the enemy mock? Will a foe insult your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand? Stretch out your right hand and destroy them. God, my king is from ancient times, performing saving acts on the earth. You divided the sea with your strength. You smashed the heads of the sea monsters in the water you crushed the heads of leviathan you fed him to the creatures of the desert you opened up springs and streams you dried up ever-flowing rivers the day is yours also the night you established the sun and moon you set all the boundaries of the earth you made summer and winter And what I like about these um, verses here is that at the very beginning, there is a deep concern of like, God, we have no way of connecting with you. There are no prophets. There are no signs for us. How long will this last? How long will our enemy be against us? We feel forsaken. How long will you hold back your hand? These are complaints. These are saying, God, we want you to do something, but we don't know how to connect to you. But then in the next sequence of verses, the person is reminded of all the things that God has done, all the different ways that God has power. So in this psalm, and if you look at the entirety of this psalm, you see even more of that back and forth. But in this psalm, you see that a person just brings their whole self to God. And they just say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm wrestling with. I don't know what else to do with it. So I'm just saying it all to God. There's an authenticity in that that's really quite incredible. There's a really wide range of emotions. As we know, prayer is often a time where we bring requests with God, and that's the next form of prayer that we look at. And so Jan Johnson says this about prayers of request. They can sometimes be difficult for us, and she talks about some of that and says prayer is supposed to be Intelligent conversation about matters of mutual concern. And scriptural prayers voice concerns I hadn't worked up much lather for. They focus on getting God's will done while I muddled through a normal person's everyday concerns, making ends meet until the next paycheck, getting the recognition I deserved, having a stress-free life. Where is the meeting place between the mind of Christ and me? Do we pray down and dirty, or high and lofty? But as we connect with God, God's concerns slowly become ours. In the meantime, prayer becomes a meeting ground of my in-the-moment immediate needs with God's enormously abundant life. So what she's talking about here is the contrast of our knowledge of who God is and how amazing he is and our everyday needs, our everyday yearnings, our everyday problems. God meets us in those moments. And while, yes, in time we do want to be tuning our lives to God's bigger picture of what God's will is, God is also still in the here and now. And like we talked about with the authenticity We just bring ourselves to prayer. And so the biblical example that we have for this is actually found in the Lord's Prayer, which we see in Matthew 6. So looking at verses 9-13 through of Matthew 6, it reads, Therefore, you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So there's a lot of things happening in here, and I'm just going to highlight five quick things about that. In this piece, we are first honoring God. We're saying, God, hallowed be your name. You are holy. Your kingdom come. The second thing is that we are seeking God's will. We say, yes, God, your will be done. I'm going to share some things that I am struggling with and hoping for, but in the end, I surrender that to you and say, your will be done. There's a third thing is a uh, request for daily provision. Give us our daily bread. Fourth, we see forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive others. And then last, we, say, we see that God has the potential to deliver us from temptation and evil. So in that simple prayer, there's all kinds of different things going on. And we can pray just that prayer, or we can use it as a model and expand on any of those ideas. We can go on in prayer about praising God and how wonderful God is. We can also have a long part of prayer that is a request of our needs for the day. It can be wrestling with what God's will is. The Lord's Prayer helps us to see a possible template for what prayer can look like. Then once we have kind of looked at the act of us praying, we also have to think about the act of us listening in prayer uh, with God. So I'm going to read a little bit of what she says here about that. And she writes that according to Douglas Steer, to listen from the heart requires vulnerability because God wants to hear my feelings, motives, and thoughts. It also requires expectancy. Expectancy that God will meet my needs. Acceptance, meaning that I can accept whatever happens during this quiet time. And constancy, I can rely on God Not to get up, get fed up with me. (laughs) So we can be with God on a continual, constant basis, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The example that she gives from that comes from 1 Chronicles, uh, chapter 14, verses 8 through 17. And during this passage, David has been crowned king, but he is facing a variety of battles against their enemy, the Philistines. And so this passage goes like this. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they all went in search of David. When David heard of this, he went out to face them. Now the Philistines had come and raided in Rephaim Valley. So David inquired of God, Should I attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied, Attack, and I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites went up to baal Perazim. And David defeated the Philistines there. Then David said, Like a bursting flood, God has has used me to burst out against my enemies. Therefore, they named that place, The Lord Bursts Out. (laughs) The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David ordered that they be burned in the fire. Once again, the Philistines raided in the valley. So David again inquired of God. And God answered him, Do not pursue them directly circle around them, and attack them opposite the balsam trees. When you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then go out to battle, for God will have gone out ahead of you to strike down the army of the Philistines. So, David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the uh, Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer. Then David's fame spread throughout the lands, and the Lord caused all the nations to be terrified from him. So here in this passage, we're seeing David taking an active role in listening to God. And listening is not just a matter of passive hearing and taking in something. Listening also involves action. So when we listen to God, we don't just hear what God says to us, we then go do what what God tells us to do. David inquired of the Lord, the Lord responded, and David uh, reacted and listened to what God said and did what God said, and it was a successful venture. So listening is a really important part, and it's important for us to know that sometimes when we listen to God, we get surprising answers. It doesn't always look the way that we thought it would. The fifth part that we're gonna talk about today is interceding as Jesus did. So I'm gonna read what Jan Johnson says about this. She writes that it's easy to miss the formational aspects of intercessory prayer, how it trains us to care deeply for others, especially when we'd like to criticize them, and prods us about how to truly love them. Intercessory prayer also forms us spiritually because it trains us to think about others through the lens of God's desire to transform them to Christlikeness. Intercession is not about patching up folks or getting them to do what we think they should do. This is what we're doing when we ask God to help friends and family get certain kinds of jobs, to stop taking drugs, to go back to college. Usually we've already told them to their faces what we think they ought to do, And now we offer ideas to God, but intercessory prayer is not about reforming people. It's about the transformation of their souls. God may have a different plan from the one you envision. In intercessory prayer, we learn to let go. So to help illustrate this uh, principle, the Bible passage that we look at is from Luke 22, verses 31 through 34, and at this point, it's getting close to where Jesus is going to be arrested and put on trial and ultimately crucified. And so Jesus, at this point, is having a conversation with his disciple, Simon Peter, and he says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, Simon told him, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus responded and said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times, or until you deny three times that you know me. So in this passage, Jesus certainly has a hope and a desire for Peter, for Simon Peter, to do a specific thing, Jesus uh, or Simon says that he is going to be there with Jesus no matter what and never deny Jesus. But Jesus knows that Simon is going to do that. And instead of praying that Simon would do a certain thing, Jesus prays that Simon would have his own journey and come back after he has denied Christ three times. And an interesting insight with that that comes from Jan Johnson as well. She writes that Jesus had the power to stop Peter from denying him, but he didn't do this, even in prayer, because, says Dallas Willard, it would not have advanced Peter toward being the person he needed to become. How earnestly Jesus longed for Peter to come out right in his time of testing, but he left him free to succeed or fail before God and man. So even Jesus didn't just force a person to behave in the way they should have behaved. They want, Jesus wanted Simon Peter to have his journey and come to naturally want to trust and serve God. The last element of listening and prayer is something called practicing God's presence. And it's something relatively simple that um, takes a lot of practice for us to get good at. So, it's described like this. Practicing God's presence requires an interactive life of constant companionship with the creator of the universe, the Son who lived among us, and the Holy Spirit who lives inside us. Because Jesus said, I am with you always, which is Matthew 28.20, we can say that in him we live and move and have our being, which is Acts 17.28. Enjoying God's presence then is one more way we can connect with God, making an awareness of God's presence a distinct reality in our life. So the way that she describes it is just continually reminding ourselves of God. That doesn't mean that we don't focus on the work that we have or the tasks in front of us, the conversations we're having, but anytime we have an odd moment, we have an opportunity to turn our focus back to God. And the biblical example that we get this from is in first Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 verses 16 through 18. Very short passage here. It just says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And what I love about that, that idea of praying constantly, that means that we can bring anything to God, No matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, God wants to be with us in every single detail of our lives, even if it seems totally unimportant. God can be a part of us deciding what socks to put on in the morning. It's maybe something trivial. It's maybe something funny for us to laugh about. But we can invite God into that moment and have that companionship with God at all times. So that all is a look at what it means to be in prayer and listening to God. Of course, there are so many different ways to pray, and there's a myriad of spiritual practices that focus just on prayer. And any one of those can be very helpful. So however you are practicing prayer, keep doing it. If you feel like you need to revitalize your prayer practice, let us know, we would be happy to help you. You can contact our church um, through our website, or you can use my email address, which is in the episode description of this episode. So please feel free to reach out and ask more questions. We're going to be continuing this series on spiritual disciplines next week. We have more sections to cover with this book, and I really hope that you join us for that. In the meantime, have a wonderful and blessed day.